May 3rd, 2022. This morning's class and the classes throughout the week are donated by Charles and Norma Shehebar in honor of their new daughter. We're in Masechet Sanhedrin on the Amud Bet. Six lines from the bottom, three words before the end of the line. The Gemara begins with a Beraita. Tanu Rabbanan says the Beraita, one word, Me'onen. Me'onen is one of those several witchcraft, sorcery individuals that are mentioned by the Torah in Devarim Perek Yod Chet. Me'onen, but what is it? We understand now what Ov is, to a certain extent, what Yide'oni is, to a certain extent, Hover Have, perhaps we understand, Doresh al-Hemetim, we have more knowledge about. What is a Me'onen, says the Beraita, three different opinions. Rabbi Shimon Omer, Ma'avir Zakhur al Understanding the Pasuk Me'onen, the word Me'onen, Milashon Ayin, I, this has something to do with bringing forth these spirits, these understandings from your eyes. It takes seven different types of animals and beings and you take their sperm, their zakhur, and you place it on your eye and in turn, that's what a me'onen is, again, using that for sorcery. That's the first interpretation. It's not about what you're doing to your eye, it's about what you're doing to the eyes of those who are watching you or listening to you, you're so to speak catching their eyes. You're catching them off guard. You're, so to speak, getting them in a trance-like state so that you're able to pull something over them. Again, as I mentioned, on Dafsamich Zayin, when the Gemara returns to the differences and the liabilities and punishments of all these, we'll return to Ohezeta Inayim with regards to what we call magic today. Rabbi Akiva Omer, last opinion here in the Beraita, Zeham Mechashiv Itim Vishaot. It's a person who's not dealing with the eyes per se, but dealing with the onot, with the periods of time during the year. So the person is calculating this time, says the Beraita for the Biakiva. Hayom yafelaset. Today it's good to go out. That's what the time is telling me. Lemahar yafe. Alternatively, uh, tomorrow is uh, is good likah uh, to make a transaction. That's what a me'onen is, according to the Akiva. You might ask, is that mention? Uh, he's talking about the time. He's talking about the day, or this day or that day. What about horoscope? Is horoscope asur min haTorah as a me'onen? This is a tremendous debate amongst the Rishonim. Harambam and Perk Yodal is quite clear and unequivocal. That's Asur from the Torah. It's called Me'onen. Even though you're dealing with stars and not per se time in the same fashion, says Harambam, there's no validity to it and that's what the Torah means. It's nonsense. It's wrongful to be going after calculations of stars and galaxies and planets. That's Harambam's opinion. Tosafot alternatively in Masechet Shabbat, Ramban Nachmani in several places, is pointing to several statements in the Gemara in which it appears as if the rabbis weren't only okay with it, they may have even given in to validity or a certain validity of horoscopes in one case or another. They argue it's not an issue of me'onen. Me'onen is just some sort of nonsensical or uh, what's it called, uh, witchcraft, sorcery type of calculating of time. So to calculate stars and astrology of some sort. So there might be a chokhmah to that. That might not be per- per- prohibited, according to them, from this isur of me'onen. Should you be doing it? 
We'll talk about that in a moment or two. That's coming right up. Give it a second. We haven't really addressed that per se yet, but before I just I need to finish this because I'll I'll leave it too positive. Uh, Tosafot and uh, and Ramban alike argue that although it's not nisur of me'onen, you might not get that punishment. It's a violation of the mitzvah aseh from the Torah. Tamim tihiye im Adonai Elohecha. You're supposed to be complete. Uh, Yaakov, of course, was the ish tam yoshev ohalim. We're supposed to be tamim as well to be complete. Complete means I don't have my eyes gazing on other matters. I don't have my mind looking and seeking advice from, so to speak, other channels. It's a violation of tamim tihiyeh. So although it might not be me'onen in the most coarse and, and severe sense, it's still it's still not the right thing to do. That's yeah, quite clear. So for the proof to that there is validity to the horoscope, the star aligning is that there is... The Gemara in several places says that in the Israel Mazal, and then Hakadosh Baruch Hu Kivyachol turns to Abraham. Indeed, Moshe says to him, "Semi it's Tagninut Shelcha in Mazali Israel." Which is an interesting thing, Gemara on several levels. Okay, there's lots of conversation to be had surrounding that. I think we had the words elsewhere in one of our limuds, and we spent a little bit of time, maybe even earlier in Masechet Sanhedrin, it once came up as to the different approaches to in Mazali Israel. But you're right; it's a hard sell call it that of Harambam to say there's no validity to it right in other words if it's all a created imaginative system hard to believe that there's so many call it coincidences or so many mentions in the Gemara of somehow someone dealing with it. Indeed, there's, uh, again, lots to be said about this. This is just the tip of the iceberg with regards to the issues on this matter. A little bit more before the, uh, we'll call it Ayin Hara mention of Nathan. So here says the Gemara a little bit more. These Me'onens might be, as a result, Limude Arveshiv'iyot. They might, on the eve of the seventh year, they, sometimes this might be a propensity, this might be a tendency of theirs that they really know how to predict, and as a result, they'll tell you and give you a business advice based on the eve of the seventh year. They might tell you, it's appropriate then to invest in or to plant or to harvest your hitim, your wheat. How would they know that? Well, the time is ripe for it. They're able to. That's Asur if they're doing it through this me'onin uh, procedure. Ikure kotniot mihiot ra'ot. They might tell you that when it comes to kotniot, to legumes, you should uproot them. You should be oker them from the ground instead of a regular harvesting, it sounds like. And they will be mihiot ra'ot. If you, if you harvest them in such a fashion, they won't be matliya, says Rashi. They won't bring forth worms. They'll be preserved in the appropriate fashion. If they're speaking from science, okay, beautiful. If they're speaking from sorcery, so that's the isur of me'onen. different than somebody telling you don't, do the, don't sign a new contract on Tishat on the nine days. Right, important question. You've got to give me one or two minutes for it. It's along the lines of Nathan, but you're, you're suggesting the mutar way that the Gemara says explicitly, as Jesse and Nathan are wondering, if we're talking about times and circumstances as inappropriate to attribute an essence to it or to look at someone who's gonna give me advice, uh, so it makes us wonder, we have some things, we have the month of, uh, of Av is an inappropriate time at the beginning, it's, uh, it's, it's Harabam even mentions Av, uh, the one who's screaming about this, it's a time of Pur'anut li Israel. you have the month of Adar being potentially the 
right time to do it. These are gemarot, expre- express it and explicitly. So give it another minute or two. Says the gemara, tanura banan, three lines from the bottom, just a little bit more because that was all in terms of the time specifically. You're not per se in terms of the time period that's telling me there's just something auspicious. There's something called menachesh. The Torah didn't only talk about of yideoni, doreshalamitim, haver, haver, not even just the one we just talked about, the me'onen, it talks about a menachesh as well. The menachesh in Nahash be Israel. This menachesh is sorcery at its best. What is sorcery at its best when we talk about a menachesh, a person who's involved in Nahash, in Nahishut, what are they dealing with? Zeha Omer, it's the type of person who will give advice or attribute validity to Pitona Felami Piv. I just saw, I just realized my, my bread, your bread fell out of your mouth. Not a good day. That's Menachesh, says the Gemara. Maklona Rashi fills in the gaps on this. You're starting to take a journey, and as you start, your walking staff falls out of your hand. So you say to yourself, well, you know, this is bad luck and bad natured situation. Now, I will warn you. And remind you, there's a difference, we haven't, we haven't sharpened it yet, between saying this is literally a sign from heaven, or alternatively, this is not feeling good for me. There's a major difference. I know it sounds like a thin line, but if I'm able to draw that line, it might be silly, it might be saying something that doesn't seem to have any real uh, empirical evidence or validity, but ultimately speaking, it's not menachesh, or alternatively, you're walking out the door, you're walking on the journey, and your son unexpectedly surprises you by calling from behind you in such a circumstance. Ah, that's it, I'm done with the journey, that was the sign from heaven, that was my nihush. That's what the Gemara is saying, it's nihush. Orev korelo, you interpret the crow which is over your head making noise. That was the sign that this is a bad, bad news situation. If a, uh, a, a deer, um, Rashi says, is coming north to south and you're going uh, east to west, whatever the case is, I guess because a deer isn't going to run directly at you. That's my only interpretation for Rashi. If you've spent time amongst deer, deer don't run at you. Deer will run past you. Anyway, that's along the lines of the black cat situation. It means the, uh, the deer is running across your path. Bad news, bad situation. That's the next case of menachesh. Nahash mimino, for one reason or another, the understanding of someone might be that if, my, if the snake, if the serpent is on my right-hand side, or alternatively, or maybe in tandem, the shu'al, the, uh, the, the fox is on my left-hand side, all uh, menachesh, if you're interpreting these in such a fashion. We're almost done. Al-tathil shahrit. If a person, Rashi says, comes to collect sedaka from you, and you say, but it's too early in the morning. If I give you sedaka now, it means my whole day is going to be messed up. Menachesh. Rosh uh, Chodesh, would have been appropriate for yesterday, right? If a person comes up to you and uh, wants to close a deal or wants to collect their, their debt, the debt that you owe them, but you say, no, but it's Rosh Chodesh, wrong time to do it. Mosei Shabbat, where they come to you on Saturday night. In all these circumstances, if your situation is such that your claim is, this is a siman ra, says the, says the uh, Beraita, quite clearly and explicitly, this is considered menachesh. 
does that mean that, well, some things are bichlal menachesh, maybe, that people in our midst do accept, but at the same time, there's another way, it's a little open-minded of me, there's another way of understanding, and I'll tell you specifically what drives me in opening my mind to this. We have, in Hag Yisrael Torahi, we have every Rosh uh, Hashanah, I think, pretty much everyone in the room, I imagine, does the simanim at the Rosh Hashanah meal. What are we doing with those simanim? We're eating things and we're declaring or proclaiming or praying to God that it sounds like in merit of eating this thing, this should be a good year or we should cut off our enemies and so on and so forth. I mean, what are we doing with that? So the answer, as I understand it, is based on a Gemara and Masechet Hulin and Dafsadihe Amud Bet, which needs to be read according to my understanding, in tandem with this Gemara. Our Gemara spoke about one issue, that's what we call menachesh, there's something else called siman. Let me read to you just one or two lines here in the Gemara. The Gemara cites a beraita. Tanya, Rabbi Shimon ben El Azar Omer, Bait tinok v'isha, Bait a home, tinok a baby, isha, getting married to a wife, afapisha in nahash, even though you can't and should not and may not attribute your success in any of those three circumstances, look how quickly it found me to find the house, to build the house, to uh, conceive of a child, to find a wife. Can you imagine? This is a sign from heaven. If you read that and understand that as nihush, uh, through the mechanism we'll have to define in a second of sorcery, that's prohibited. Yesh siman. There's nonetheless not only permitted, but it sounds like, okay, something called siman. Siman means a sign. What's the difference between Nahash and Siman? Is it permitted or is it prohibited? Rashi and Harambam have a mahlok about how to interpret this. Rashi says the difference between the two is how steadfast, how clear you are about what's taking place, about what took place. As you had this quick building of the home, you said this was clear and I'm certain this was a sign that it's bad luck, I'm done. Come on. Maybe a little bit. Can you smile? Can you wink as you say that? If you can't, that's nahash. If alternatively, says Rashi, it's not that what changes your decision in this circumstance, but you attribute it to, and it might be wrong, we could debate, we could discuss, to some other fact or something else that's going on. That's what he calls siman. So as a result, and I once remember reading this in Mi'iri, that's how I understand along those lines of, of Rashi, what we do on, on, on Leil Rosh Hashanah, what we do on Leil Rosh Hashanah with these simanim is, we're not saying per se in merit of eating this, and now I know my year will be one in which my enemies will be cut off. I'm saying I'm eating this. Let this be a siman for me. I'm not so steadfast. I'm not so connected to it. It's not veering away from God. It's a parperet in terms of my relationship. Is there a danger to that nonetheless? Are we encouraging it? Not per se, but we're speaking to a reality. Harambam is much more strict on this matter, as could be expected. Harambam right there in Perek Yodal, Avodah Zarah, distinguishes very different. He says, here's the difference between menachesh and siman, or nahash and siman. He says, one's past tense and one's future tense. He says, siman is, well, look, I built the home and it was all very fast and swift and successful. I can now look back and say, that was good luck for me. That was a time in which things were going well. Might be strange to think like that. You might have wrongful activities in such a fashion, but that's siman. Siman means I attribute past occurrences. It's done, you didn't determine based on it. And I say, oh, that's the way I put the dollar up in my store. I used to, I used to say every time I walked into one of these situations, nihosh to myself, never out loud. I used to think it was asur. Now, as I got more mature, I understood it's siman. 
That's siman. They say they're not saying this dollar bill brought me the luck. They're not saying this dollar. They're siman. Past tense. That's according to Harambam, I don't have a good resolution. That's why I said Rashi. I only explained Rashi based on the future tense in this respect. Harambam, I can't tell you, would be so settled with our Simanim. But that's only according to Rashi. But Harambam is a lot more severe. It's only about past tense. If it's a future tense vision and understanding, that's what's forbidden. Of course, this is superstition and Ayin Haran. All that sort of stuff gets in, entered into this conversation. It's potentially, it depends how the person's articulating. It depends how the person's actually thinking about it, whether it's actually minahesh or not. Are they so, let's use the terminology of Rashi, are they so uh, uh, disabled and inhibited or or disinhibited in the moment that they're not able to do or to think because they know this is the case? Or alternatively, is it some nonsense that entered into their mind? All right, that's the difference between Siman and Nahash. When you have the bazaar with you, you should keep going. Uh, Moving to a house on a particular day, Right, so, right, 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 right. I, again, I interpret those, I'm telling you where I see those, and I'm sorry, I didn't come full circle on the Jesse, I see man. That's Siman. That's okay, I did it on Tuesday. You didn't do it on Tuesday, you're not going to close the deal any longer? Oh, come on. Uh, because it's Pa'amayim Kitob, you didn't do it on Thursday because it's the Berachat to the Dagim, it's Mahalokim, but which one's the better day, ironically? Okay, whatever, I understand that it's appropriate. You're not going to do it now? That's Nihush. If it's Siman, listen, it's raining today. I'm very excited about the Siman Berachah, which I always said was the rabbis laughing at us. The rabbis saw that weddings always are rained on them, so they said, don't worry, it's a Siman Berachah. I don't actually mean that, but I think certainly when we say, when I, 90% of the time when I say it to the men, when I say when I say it to the Hatan and Kala, because it happens, I say it's a Siman Berachah. Unfortunately for me, in my heart of hearts, I'm cringing. In my heart of hearts, I'm crying for them. But I put on a good smile and I said, don't worry, it's a siman beracha, been there, done that. Anyway, what I'm, what I'm telling you is that's how I interpret all of these as well. And that's how I interpret the Gemarot as well. The Gemarot, if, if they were telling us to do all, and if they were speaking a, call it a truth, so then they should spend com- commercial activity all year and we should just do it during the month of Adar, chalas. That's the time period for it. Uh, or we should close work during the month of Av. I think they interpret it as Siman as opposed to Nehush along the lines of Rashi in that Gemara. Okay, but again. That's correct. Yes. Yes. Yes, I will be clear again in terms of my open mind. So let me put it all in the sentence. Yes, the key and the halal and the salt and the eggs, anything and everything else. In my understanding and opinion, it touches on, but it's not nihush. Someone might say it's nihush. I have a hard time understanding someone who says that, there's, that it's emet. I call it siman. Well, it's siman. I understand it. I'm not, so what I'm saying is not per se, in my opinion, it's not asur, and if, if a person says that's what works for them in the, I say just the mindset's what it's all, all about. It's the same thing with people who go to, and I'm not opposed to this, I've done it many times in my own life, to go to graves of, uh, of, of righteous people who, who passed away. There's the camp of people who tell you, it's against the Ikari Maharam Bam, they'll wrongfully mention Doresh El Hametim, as our Gemara mentioned, we now know that's not what Doresh El Hametim is, and so forth. I always say, you have 
have to read Derashot Haran. Haran is long before this uh, commercial activity of going to graveyards and so forth. And he explains there's reasons to do so. The reason to do so is I cannot speak to the righteous person, but in that context be inspired to the extent that I can connect to God better. There's something to be said for that. We do that in many circumstances. We use a situation to interpret for ourselves psychologically and spiritually a situation, our connectedness in a different fashion. That I think is altogether okay. There's dangers. Everyone will remind us and tell us, I understand, but to the extent that we ban it and we, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's so deep. Yeah, it's, that's true. It's very true. That's very true. So it's very, very true. If done properly, you know, you can be successful. If you, if you, so, and I mean this, and I'm not saying this with a, you know, with a grimace. If you're nervous to that extent, so then you should, then you should be looking to get rid of it. But if, and again, very little exists in my life, very little exists in my life in that respect, but alternatively what I'm telling you is if the perspective can be one which is channeled in a positive direction, an appropriate direction, and it's already there and they're already doing it, so then your, your mission needs to be on that instead of the uprooting. I know what you're asking, yeah? You can ask about Sigulot now. Because I, we, we can and should separately. I can't do that right now, too long. Is it taking action based on Harambam will tell you it's even the thought. Rashi will tell you it's specifically when you went ahead and acted based on it. That's it. That is that's the so distinguishing. He has wrongful thoughts. The Torah, but the Torah isn't generally speaking, generally speaking, controlling your thoughts. But it's your thoughts, but you overcame it, then we'll call it siman. All right. Continue. Says the Mishnah. Well, all right, so very briefly we'll address that. Actions is in terms of punishment, in terms of korban hatat, in terms of malkot, in terms of wrongdoing. Nobody ever said a wrongful thought is appropriate or is okay. There is the age-old question of Ibn Ezra in Parashat Yitro. Ibn Ezra says, how could the Torah command me, lo don't covet? How is that possible that God tells me what to think or what to feel? It's a very important question. Harambam and his Sefer what's that? Harambam and his Sefer not only says thoughts do lead to actions, he says Lotachmod is only when it did lead to an action. If the thought didn't lead to an action, it wasn't Lotachmod. Or to, alternatively, hard to understand fully, but uh, Ibn Ezra says you can train your thoughts. I mean, we know that today in a way better than ever. So you can train your thoughts. Hey, God's telling me what to think and what to feel. I can't get past it. You can train yourself, and that's the struggle, that's the challenge. So nobody is at any point saying that thoughts, you know, do whatever you want with your thoughts. So say it everything. Although, okay, we'll interpret that one as action. All right, yes, Jeff? One question. Regarding Melanin, Rabbi Yashiva's, uh, I guess, interpretation of Seems to me that he's saying you can't use, uh, again, the seventh year where we're saying we can have an abundance of heat, that the draw is saying don't use that to manipulate the glory of the No, he's talking about arve, arve shibi'it, before the seventh. Before the seventh. Yes. So now, hypothetically, we have all these situations now today, if it's 
say go out and partner us out, whatever it may be that we manipulate as well. I, I don't want to manipulate, but we use it. I gotcha. All right. I, I, as I, I promise, at some point, maybe, maybe sometime soon, may, maybe when we do Tafsamech Zayin, I have to prepare myself for that. We'll do Sigulot as well. There's plenty to say about Sigulot. Rabbi Yaakov Hillel wrote a lot about Sigulot and teased out these issues. He wrote a book, I mentioned the words earlier, called Tamim Tiyeh. Tamim Tiyeh, you should be complete. Keep in mind, Rabbi Yaakov Hillel is a capitalist. So, all right. Then. All right, it says the Mishnah here on Tafsamech Vav Amudalef, continuing in going back to that Mishnah that we had uh, some 13 dapim ago, if I'm not mistaken, about the uh, different different circumstances where you're liable to death penalty by being uh, by stoning. Uh, there was many, not only Avodah Zarah, not only Nihush, but Shabbat, HaMechalelet HaShabbat. But the Mishnah didn't really elaborate on what sort of Hilul Shabbat merits or brings you the demerit of being put to death in such a fashion. Our Mishnah over here in Daf Samichvav gives us the details. HaMechalelet HaShabbat Bidavar, it's specifically on a matter that you'll be liable, Sekila Shehayavin Al Zedono Karet Ve'al Shigigo Karet Hatat. The way you measure and determine if this is an action punishable by Sekila is if b'mezid, if when you did it purposefully and there was no warning, no hatra'ah, the Torah says you get karet, you get that cut-off nature, as we discussed in just last week, uh, what exactly how to define that, or uh, in an imperfect way how to define that. So it means that the zadon is, is punished by karet, when it doesn't have a hatra, and shogeg, if you did it accidentally in one of two ways, you didn't know the day, you didn't know the law, you would be liable to a korban hatat. It's in that type, on that sort of action on Shabbat, that you're liable to sikilah. Any other action, you're not. The Gemara, of course, will ask, what are you talking about? What are you coming to tell us is out of the law? What situation on Shabbat? So you in the crowd mind say to me, it's the Mukseh situation. Mukseh is midrabbanan. Nobody thought for a moment that Mukseh, which is rabbinic in nature, is giving you sikilah. We're talking about something that's a violation from the Torah, but you're not going to get a sikilah for it. What sort of situation? What sort of circumstance are you coming up with? Says the Gemara Mikelal, from the fact that the Mishnah needs to give us this uh, quick uh, definition, we can deduce the ikash, that there is midah matters, the hilul Shabbat that it's considered from the Torah profaning the day of Shabbat, Hilul Shabbat, violating the day of Shabbat, ve'en hayavin, and you nonetheless would not be liable for the action, lo al-shigigato hatat, ve'lo al-zedon karet you wouldn't be hayav for shogeg or koban hatat, and if it was mezid without a hatra, karet, mai, what situation are you talking about? Last I checked, the Torah seems very clear, mehalelea motiumat, and you get karet, and you get koban hatat, I mean, the Torah is very clear, that's what happens with Hilul Shabbat with anyone who does Melachah on Shabbat. The Gemara has two suggestions. The first is Tehumin ve'liba derbi akiva. That's suggestion number one. Suggestion number two is Hav'ara ve'liba derbi yoseh. All right, of course, the word aliba means according to the opinion of. So let's break these down one by one. Not too hard, unless we were to get very specific. The second one, we spent a good week and a half on that opinion already. It would be Yosei and Havara. So that one we'll be able to quickly do. But the first one as well, what's tehumin? Tehumin, the Torah has, in one or two places, has mention of uh, outside of the dwelling place, call it the city, there's 2,000 ama. We call it alpaim ama. That's called tehum shabbat. There are reasons for it, both, both uh, the, the 
Torah's stated reason, and then the rabbi's looking for further reason. But that's the halacha and Shabbat, the way we have something called, uh, you know, hotza'ah, if I can't go from a private domain to a public domain, or I can't carry in a public domain, so too I can't travel outside of Tehom Shabbat. I can't travel outside of 2000 Amah. Much of the beginning of Masechah, or the parts of Masechah Te'eruvin deal with, well, I need to travel on Shabbat. Are there ways of rectifying that? That's There's deals, there's ways and situations in which you can deal with that. But that's what we're dealing with when we mention Tehomin. What does it mean, Ba'alibadir Bi'akiva? There is a mahluk elsewhere between Bi'akiva and Chachamim and Masechet Eruvin and Dafiyodzai and elsewhere about whether we consider Tehomin and Isul min HaTorah or only Midrabbanan. I told you it's a pasuk in the Torah. The question is, how do you define the pasuk in the Torah? And the understanding over here is, in this Gemara, that it's only Rabbi Akiva who maintains Tehumin is Asum in HaTorah. That according to the Hachabim, it's Mutar in HaTorah, it's only prohibited Midrabbanan. That being the case, the Gemara over here says, you want a case of a prohibition from the Torah where you don't have Karet and Hatat, and in turn you don't have Sekila, Tehumin. According to Rabbi Akiva, that it's an Isum in HaTorah. There's a tremendous, it's a very different conversation uh, point from this Gemara, that's a question on Harambam. Harambam's opinion is that both Rabbi Akiva and Hachamim agree that Tehumin is Asum in HaTorah. Well, that being the case, how do you explain this Gemara? Why does the Gemara only say Alibad Rabbi Akiva? Separate, longer conversation, not our issue right now, but that's the first one. The second one is, Hav'ara Alibad Rabbi Yosef. You recall the Torah at the beginning of Parashat Vayakil, unexpectedly, it talks about Shabbat, and one Melacha is mentioned. Lo Teva'aru Esh Moshe the beginning of Perek Lamedhen, Shemot. Why all of a sudden you're talking about Hav'ara, uh, burning on Shabbat? You could have talked about any of the 38 others. Why Hav'ara? So there's two opinions. The opinion that's most important for us right now is that is coming for one reason or another to remove Hav'ara and to say it has its own special status. What's its status? Lotiva'arun, no punishment with regards to being stoned, but rather just lashes, Isul mitzvah lotaase. That's the opinion of Rabbi Yosef. So the Gemara has two answers. The second one is easier to understand why the punishment is lower. We say the Torah told it to me like that. Tehumin, who said that the punishment is lower? Who said there's no karet? Who said there's no korban hatat? Yad Ramar bimeira. Abu Lafi on his commentary to the Gemara over here suggests that Tehumin, back to our Maase business, I forgot one of the guys gave me a heart on Nathan, gave me a heart on there's no real action. It's just walking. Yes, walking is an action, but it's not an action to the extent that we'd call that Melacha. It's not a melacha action. And the Torah is purposed. The Mishnah in Masechet Shabbat and Dafa'in Gimal gives me a list of what's called melacha, walking outside of a place. If nobody says, I'm going for a walk, let me go do my work. Who goes for walks? For work, that's not work. Work is doing something constructive, generally speaking, and I'm a proud proponent of going for walks, but they're not constructive other than intellectually stimulating, perhaps. Okay, that's what the Gemara says over here. Says the Gemara in the next Mishnah. Next Mishnah goes on to the next on the list of the Isuresi and that is mekalel avivim. If a person were to curse his father or mother, they're hayav sekilah. Mekalel avivim. Let's deal with the details now. We saw in the Mishnah earlier that it's hayav sekilah. Here's the details. Eno hayav achi kalelem bashem. You're specifically and only liable to sekilah. Not that it's permitted otherwise. Sekilah. If you use the name of God, that includes Yodke Vavke, and as we discussed in the context of Migadev, someone who blasphemes God, there's a mahloket about whether Elohim is a part of that. Any of the other names and appellations of God is what we call Kinui. 
that's out of this initial one, which we call shim. Kililam bikino, but which, by the way, let me just you know relieve not you, but you might have a friend who, when they were a kid, said one of the American curse words about their parents, and then they have all sorts of regret and sorrow when they get older. I'm hayav mitan, so forth. It's not the case. They shouldn't have done that. Never as kibuda and so forth. But the Mishnah is making clear for us. The Torah makes clear for us. It's only when you use God's name in the context of that curse, not just a curse in the regular sense. It's that you say. God, with his name, should curse my parents, my father. That's the Yisur from the Torah. What if he used one of the other names? Something of that sort about HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the context of cursing a parent. Rabbi Meir says, Chachamim disagree, they say. In such a circumstance, quote unquote, with the nickname, not the primary name, is Patur. It's Asur, can't do it shouldn't do it, but you're not going to be hayav sekila. Says the Gemara, who are these hachamim? We want to be able to pinpoint with our other rabbinic literature who it is that the hachamim in our Mishnah, the last line, the last words in the Mishnah that the hachamim say, if you're mekaleu with a kinui, you're patur man hachamim. Can we put a name to that? The Gemara doesn't always do this, but when we have other literature, we have beraitot that deal with the same issue, we try to figure that out. So man means who are the hachamim that are mentioned in the Mishnah, that you're not hayav it's the opinion of as the Beraita states and taught he cites a pasuk which has nothing to do with cursing your parents. It has to do with, it's the end of Parashat Emor. Back to that pasuk, that parasha, cursing God. The pasuk says, I'll read it to you in its entirety very quickly. A person who is nokiv, which we interpreted in the Gemara earlier, in the Mishnah, means you curse God's name, you get put to death. Ragom yirgemu bo kol he gets stoned. Kager ka'izrach, kager ka'izrach, okay, doesn't mean like any of the other people are all included in this violation. Benokvo shem yumad, and then it concludes with, by cursing the name, he gets put to death. You told me, he cursed, he got put to death. What's the redundancy of benokvo shem yumad? Says the Beraita, what are those extra words at the end? As he used the name, as he marked the name of God, he gets put to death. Matamud lomar, what's that teaching me? Says the, matamud lomar shem. Why does the pasuk need to tell me again? He used the name, he gets a Limed, we learn from the parasha in the Torah, which is talking about cursing God with his name to an altogether different circumstance. It's also about cursing that has nothing to do with God, it has to do with your parents. Limed al mekalel aviv That's what we call imeno inyan. It's not one of the 13 ways in which we understand the Torah according to Rabbi Ishmael, but it is in the Gemara. Sometimes the Gemara says you have a mention in one context. If it doesn't have any bearing and any reason to be mentioned over there, imeno inyan to this issue, teneu inyan, learn from it, something else. That's the situation. We're using this pasuk, which is mentioned by cursing God, Megadif, to teach us the laws about someone curses their parents, that it also needs to be with the shame of God. There's an interesting and important question to address, and that is, we won't address it fully, maybe not even the beginning of class, just to think about, this same derasha was used already. We saw this derasha in a different way. It brought us in a different direction. If you recall, the halacha by Megadif, if you're a blasphemer of God, the halacha was from this derasha, 
you need to use God's name in order to curse God's name. You remember, yake yose et yose. We learned that from this pasuk. Interestingly, we have both of those lahalacha. The only way you blaspheme God and are liable to sekila is if you say yake yose et yose. If you use God's name against him, so God should curse God, right? And the only way you're hayav sekila for your parents is if you use God's name. It's both learned from the same derashara. She has difficulty with this. Others have difficulty with this. How are we ostensibly learning two halakha? You could say it's a mahlogit. Rashi says it's a mahlogit. Two different opinions. The issue is that we're posek lahalakha, like both of them. And as a result, that's what gets teased out lahalakha, but that is lahalakha. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen. Amen.